Hi guys, welcome to this edition of Engage Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Jamie. And today we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Kelvin Timelines, whether you love them or you hate them. And as ever with these anniversary episodes, we couldn't do it ourselves, so we're welcoming back after a very long time, a Dr. Trek, Larry Nimichek. You, you sure you want me to help out? <laughs> yes. Okay, because some people might argue that I'm not much of a help, but okay. You're a doctor. <laughs> we call I'm you a Dr. doctor, Trek not a doctor. A doctor. Yeah. <laughs> we call you Dr. Trek for a reason. <laughs> oh, okay. Because you hate doctors? No, no, no. Okay. No. <laughs> You're allergic to doctors? What? What's oh, no, guys, thanks. No, it's it's uh, glad to be back. I can't believe it was four years, but thanks for thanks for inviting me into your parlor. Thanks for taking time to chat with us because today you've got a very busy schedule. Yeah, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) (laughs) we are on the eve of convention season. And as we record this, I'm about to go back home from my hometown SoonerCon, which is growing all the time. And I'm I'm happy for them. And they're always nice to have me come back and and about to see Nana Visitor and um, moderate for her a little bit and catch up. And um, anyway, so it's a fun time. Just came off a road trip and... (laughs) <laughs> and squeeze the day in here in the middle to talk to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about things. Kevin timeline, and because yeah. somehow it's ten years old. Somehow. Yeah. Oh wait, the what? Yeah, we're ten ta- years. The Kelvin timeline. Yeah, from the, yeah, the first film. Star Trek oh, I don't know anything about that, guys. You've got the wrong guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, proceed. No, it's it's <laughs> the Kelvin timeline is one of those things that. It's what do you call it? Like the the slow motion, uh, the glacial effect on how you know it's it's amazing now with everything with Discovery and the and people watching streaming shows and all the debate about Discovery and now Picard series is coming and just it's just how different everything is and to go back ten years this is what's been so amazing is to see a lot of things changed but we didn't know that they were going to change and become what they were but a lot of stuff. Back in the day, I tried to say, uh, now, guys, guys, this is going to be different than we've ever had before. And people didn't get it, so we kind of, like, lumbered along. But it's what's been amazing to me up at the Kelvin timeline, both the timeline, the content, and also everything about the actual getting it out there and the way fandom reacted to it. It's it's all pretty much gone about what I was – not to brag on myself, but about, <laughs> you know, in 07, 08, about what I was thinking would happen has happened, so – not, um, not to be proven right. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't mean it like that, but it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you have, yeah. the biggest thing was that I just, um, I mean, everybody was focused on the nose, right, about what it is, what it is, what it is. And I'm like, guys, the world is shifting around us, and this is a good thing unless it blo- – the only bad thing here is if it's a total flop. If the first movie <laughs> is a complete flop, that's bad because – the whole world is not us. The whole world is not Star Trek fans and professionals and people that work on Star Trek. The whole world is not all of us. It's all, you know, it's the outside world. It's all the it's all the suits and the bean counters and average Joe moviegoers and TV watchers. And think how much things have changed in, you know, with streaming TV and um, you know, where that is all. I mean, but Netflix and Hulu and Prime and Streaming that didn't exist ten years ago, and so this whole thing about oh Star Trek is tired and burned out, and then for J.J. Abrams to jump up and say, well I'm going to do it as a movie, and him thinking he's going to reinvent a new empire that he could take and run with that was old and tired, and people would love him for it. It was a good I mean for him it was a good idea. He was just trying to do a George Lucas, 
you know, only with not his own thing, with somebody else's thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, it didn't quite go that way, but it took people, I think, a few years for that to all sort out. Yeah, but I mean... The, the biggest uh, thing was that... And, the, and I'll, here I go, see? But I'll <laughs> say the biggest thing that I tried to get people to understand as we got into 09 was why the, why the actors weren't behaving like all the Trek actors had before because it was a movie, not a TV series. And um, the fact that they were getting excited about this thing, but they weren't going to get 26 hours of it. You know, it's like, you're going to get two hours and then wait for three or four years, you know? And I think, and that was such a revelation to people. Nobody could get that until they lived through it. And then it slowly dawned on people. And then that's when we finally were able to, because I said, we won't have real Star Trek back until we have small screen episodic, which is what we've got now, finally. And that's I said I said whether the movie is a bomb or a smash hit, it's still just two hours, and you're going to have to wait three years to get two more hours. <laughs> and after that sinks into people, they're going to go, "What the fuck are we messing with this for? Let's get a show back." You know, <laughs> and that's kind of, that's what happened, right? <laughs> I don't know. I you know before we even talk about the content, that's the biggest takeaway of that is that's it. Plus, though, the fact that no matter what you and me and and Jamie and the next four people that are listening to this thought, we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of new fans come to Star Trek because of those movies Yeah, when the series were in the desert, when we were wandering, you know, in the fallow time. So Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things about like, these films. Whether you love them or hate them, you can't, even if you detest the movies, you can't deny that it brought Star Trek back. And if it wasn't for the Kelvin Timeline films, well, you wouldn't have Discovery or any of these new Star Trek series. So say what you will. And it said it has brought new fans as well to the franchise. So say what you will about about what Abrams did or didn't do. He, he accomplished that. The, the films accomplished that. So that's something that cannot be denied. Yeah. Regardless well, of how you feel about the film. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe this is a, debo- a debate point. Maybe I've seen people talking about this. I don't know off the top of my head that that if the J.J. movies had not happened, that Discovery wouldn't have happened. Because Discovery happened. Discovery began as a business decision. Nobody sat around in 2015 um, and 16 and said, you know what? We really need a Star Trek back. What happened was somebody at CBS said, you know what? We need to have our own streaming service because we're making, you know, why should we pay Netflix and Hulu and Prime to be a middleman when we could be doing our own? And let's jump in and be ahead of the game. That's what, you know, and then they said, so what are we going to lead with? Oh, let's lead with Star Trek, duh, (laughs) and do a Star Trek. That's why Discovery is here. And now it helped, and there were people kind of used to it. And it wasn't, I mean, it was still feels like they had to reinvent the wheel, which is what always happens with Star Trek. It's so complicated when there's been a long gap. It's really hard to get the well-oiled machine, you know, machining and well-oiled again. And that obviously took time. But but um, having the J.J. movies or not brought in some fans and made, you know, the money was a little more helpful. But I think, um, you know, there's a case to be made that you, somebody might have said the world is just going to be hungrier for Star Trek. But what's funny is to me, I th- I still I don't even think about the movies, the JJ movies because, and I don't, I'm not dissing them because they did their thing, but to me they're ju- they're just I'm doing air quotes they're just <laughs> movies meaning it was like six total hours, and we've already had fifteen, uh, we've already had um, what do we had here? We've had uh, seventeen and fifteen, fourteen, fifteen and four. We've already had twenty nine hours of discovery over a couple of years. See. Mm. 
So it's not about just about the math, but it's like what it means to people to how much there is to register and whether you loved them or hated them or or you know slept through them. Um, <laughs> they were great. They made some money. They kept. I think the biggest thing is they brought fans in and they kept it in the in the in the. I think they meant something to the mainstream media that could talk about them. You know, but but I think I don't know. That, that's a, that's going to be a point we're going to have to see about. But I, I um, this whole the whole thing about hey, would discovery have happened without them? So I don't know. That's that's my initial thing. I'm just thinking that Star Trek is a tri-billion dollar industry that and all the people in when Enterprise went down and said, "Well, Star Trek's dead. 1966, 2005, you had a good life." And I'm like, are, "What are you stupid? Are you kidding? Like Hollywood brings everything back from the dead. The things yeah. that don't deserve things that don't deserve to be brought back." <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, the, the first, you know, the 2000 the 09 film and said it went back to basics. And it's not the only franchise that has done that. Uh, Batman did that. Batman Begins. They went back to the beginning of it, back to the origins of it, you know. And it proved right. to be quite a successful kind of formula. So it's not, in a way, it's kind of not surprising, but quite nice that Star Trek did that as well. You know, it's been running for X amount of years. It's gone off air. It seems to be dead. And then, you know, well, how should we do this? Well, let's go back to the beginning. Go back to, you know, them fresh out of the academy kind of thing. Which I think is what was needed. Yeah. Well, the whole the thing at first was, um, this, I mean, I remember when in '05, and I said, "Look, it's not going to be gone for twenty or thirty years. We'll have one of two or three things will happen: either some little fanboy who grew up with Star Trek and becomes a big producer writer with clout will come in and do it. You know, whether it's the time is right or not, he'll he'll have the clout to come in and say, i 'I'm going to do this,' or it's someone who was not a fanboy slash fangirl, but they're smart enough to see that it's a big deal, and they have the clout, and they say, hey, let's do it, and then they get people to bring, hopefully they do, they get the people to bring the heart to it, like in, in a team, writers or whatever, director, or they're big enough to know that it made money, they don't know it, but they know, they don't know Trek, but they know that it made a ton of money, and they have the clout to say, I'm going to do another one, but they don't have the ego or the smarts to get the right people, and then it's a bomb. <laughs> I said, I said, or or years and years and years go by, and Paramount is desperate or whatever happens, and they go, we want to do a Star Trek movie. Let's look around and find someone. Okay, you. Uh, okay. And it's just some you know guy on the street, and it's like those were like the fourth. And what happened basically was we had somebody who was hot with clout. And said, I want to do a Trek and shocked people, but he really didn't have the heart for it. He was like Trek adjacent in Star Wars. But he got a team of people who did a pretty good job, except that it, I think it suffered by committee. This whole thing of, well, we have the Supreme Court and we've got people from, you know, huge fans to, you know, my producing partner, Brian Burke, that doesn't know a thing about Trek. So he's going to be a good judge of when we're getting too fanboyish. And I'm like... No, that's when you watered things down. <laughs> Maybe sometimes, you know. But this whole committee decision thing was like, eh. They were so proud of that. And I was like, isn't this what we call like watered down, not a single vision <laughs> filmmaking, you know? The very antithesis of what people are excited about, say, like Quentin Tarantino doing a trek, you know? So anyway, but but basically it was like, here's what's going to happen. And what and that I think it was shocking how fast it happened because it enterprises – down in 2005 and the Berman era ends and it's like everybody sells everything off and they're barely chalked up everything for the Star Trek for the Christie's auction when JJ hops up and says I have this deal to do whatever it was you know 10 movies 
with Paramount, and I'm going to do one or two or three of them are going to be Star Trek. And people were, like, shocked. And But it was just like a year, and then we had two, three years there. Social media was barely – people were barely getting used to social media. They were still online and message boards and web pages and all that, but you know, Twitter and Facebook weren't hot hot. They were just starting to get going in 07 and 08 and 09 and – and people were all thrilled, excited, and everybody, you know, either fans or the corporate world could only, like, fixate on this movie. And I kept going, that's good. I want it to be good. I don't want it to flop, but it's only a movie, guys. It's only a movie. <laughs> They're going to wake up the next day with a hangover and go, oh, yeah, I have to wait three more years for a new Star Trek now? You know, it's like, eh, but you could, people were so excited to have something happening for them, or, or, you were in the side that's going, what the what the hell is this crap? What is this? This doesn't, this doesn't sound this. And that was, you know, thank you, Bob Orsi and and Alex Kurtzman. But I think it was mainly Bob Orsi that said, well, then let's let's not do a Spider-Man. Oh, we're going to do a new origin story every three years and you know, new actor. Let's do this alternate universe thing and preserve the prime until we figure out what we're going to do with it, or we get our nerve up to do a prime story, which was really silly, but. I'm glad they did it in hindsight, you know. Mm. So, because now then I could care less. The only thing I cared about was that the years were going by without telling. I'm getting older, and they're not telling prime stories that fit into everything else, mm. you know. So I, I, I'm here. I'm rambling again. That's watch out, guys. I told but you. No, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, watching them again, kind of just recently. I've, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed. Should we just, them. Jamie? Yeah. Should we just point out that? Both of us over the yeah. past what twenty four hours or forty eight hours, I think for you, have watched all three in pretty much one go. To yeah. like, and wow! So we kind of we've done a marathon. So we, we've watched them all. Yeah. So you know. So what's what's your fresh takeaway then? Watching them all in a row. Uh, I said because we had a quick discussion before you came on, Larry, and we just I sort of said to Larry, uh, I said to Jamie, let's get the names right. I said to Jamie, is that <laughs> I I really loved the original one again. I fell in love with that one again because that was just that was incredible. First time I saw it, I saw it three times when it when it came out in the cinemas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I felt that that feeling again. Just like oh, this this is why I love this one. Middle one, ah. Uh-uh. Nah, so many problems with that one. So many problems with that one. I was going to say, tell the truth, you got up and made the world's biggest sandwich while Stid was on. (laughs) You didn't pause it, you just let it run. Yeah. It was just one of those ones where it was like, I will watch this. It it happened. And then I watched the third one and went, yeah, I'm I'm a bit more happy again. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did it. I just kind of, two hours where you're going, what? That makes no sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. No. Why is that a thing? Why is that <laughs> happening? That shouldn't be happening. But yeah. Why are I, I we having? That. Why are we having Jason Bourne in Star Trek? Like, oh, and here's a here's a fight that went on for twenty minutes on a speeding shuttle to nowhere or whatever. The you know, it was like okay. It's the gravity well. It's the randomness of the, uh, a vengeance, dry dock. Because I said this shame earlier. Like, like, you take people in Asia at Mars and the. The best thought they had was, you know what? They won't look at the pl- next planet along, will they? It's like, what? I like, come on! It's like, well, the other thing yeah, as well, the other thing as well was Scotty just drives right into Starfleet. I mean, Section Thirty One <laughs> is top secret. Only a few people know. When they have some sort of security protocol procedures, apparently not. Apparently oh, not. I just wander right in there. Right, there we go. But no, my, my <laughs> feelings are kind of similar. I mean, like the first one, I, I remember going to see that ten years ago with my dad. Um, at a cinema where he lives in London 
and um, I was like Simon, just watching it again. I just said, "It's magical." It's still you feel that magic of seeing it again. Yeah. Um, Into Darkness used as a set them on stun, um, but watching it again, I still like it, but I wasn't as keen on it. It it feels. I mean, me and me and Simon, as I said, we were talking about this before you came on, Larry, and it feels jarring. It feels kind of out of place. It's a really odd film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond, I. I actually enjoyed even more watching it again because I'd only ever seen it for once. I hadn't seen it since. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and since it came out um, back in 2016. Way back in 2016. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really, <laughs> really enjoyed Beyond. Um, and yeah, I said I'd put first and third probably on a par, to be honest. Um, but yeah, just watching it again, kind of just reevaluating them and just kind of, you know, appreciating. What, what they said, what the franchise has done, but yeah, it's kind of it's seeing them side to side rather mm. than seeing them separately. It's a really interesting thing where it's like so different, but they're in, all in the same universe. It's kind of yeah, what what seems so different again? Just the what? different feels of each of them. Yeah, well, see, like, that's the, that's the problem with a film. The film format in a series is, I mean, like, look at anything, you know. Uh, Star Wars, James Bond, the early Star Trek movies. I mean, it's a different. They're 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 at best they're two year unless they unless they're shot back to back like the Back to the Future two and three were done or or Lord of the, that's Peter Jackson doing Lord of the Rings bang 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 in a row. You know they don't let anybody go home till they shoot all three. That's the only way you preserve real continuity. And even then things evolve, but it's not like sending people home and then maybe you get of all the departments and all the creative forces on a film, you know, maybe you get three fourths of them back and maybe the next time you get three fourths of them. And by the time you've done three or four movies over six or eight years or 10 years, you know, there's a lot of the, you know, the memory hole is gone and things are done a little differently or people going on their memory. And I mean, it's just inevitable and that's the way it's always been. So that's the downside of movies. You know, it's in Star Trek, people go, why does the transporter change every <laughs> movie? It's because some new creative people with, on the upside, you would say creative energy. On the downside, you might say ego, both in the good and the bad way. But any, why does anything change in a movie? Because there's always this creative drive to say, oh, let's do it better than we did it last time. And, the, you know, whatever it, it was, visual effects or it's set decoration or whatever, you know, pro- cost wardrobe. Somebody goes, oh, my God, this is so old. But I'm sorry, in in canon time, didn't these three things happen within these, you know, like, we've got four movies, and I'm yeah. just spitballing here. We've got four movies, and they all happened within three months. But in the real world, they happened over eight years, and the, by the third movie, the costume designer and the visual effects guy are either different, or they go, well, I can do better than that first guy or that first woman did. You know, I love her work, but I I can do better than that. Or we just had this new thing invented in the world. Look, we've got disappearing metallic thread costumes that you can eat or something wacky happens. <laughs> and they go, we have to make our costumes out of that, you know? I mean, and then people 20 years later go back and go, wasn't the third movie supposed to be like two days after the first movie? <laughs> But that's all the kind. That's when you have a movie series. That's what happens, and that doesn't happen on a on a series series, a TV series. You know, you see changes over time, but you see so many examples of each, you know, each landing in whatever it is you're doing that eventually things. You know, we don't notice when they go from palm beacons that are big and clunky to oh look, they've just put a micro flashlight on the side of the face. You know, that's, that's the thing though. In, in, even the Kelvin timeline phase, even within the universe, weren't they like a few years later anyway? So 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I know at least yeah, yeah, yeah. second and yes. third there. So, well, they just redesigned. They just upgraded the Enterprise or take, redesigned it. I mean, it's not or blow it up or blow it up. So it's not. Yeah. It's not. Uh, it's not. That's true. Yeah. It's not. Um, a huge leap to go. Well, that it, it it makes sense to me. It kind of fits that they would do that. Within... Well, that didn't doesn't. Now wait. In, Into Darkness is supposed to be right on the heels of Oh Nine. Is it? I know. I know. There's a gap between the second, but there is a few years difference. In terms yeah, the of second and third. There's well, he's bored. They've been out on their five Three year years. Mission. Three years. Yeah. But what's yeah. a, I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure. I didn't want to say for certain, but I wasn't sure about between the first two films if yeah. there was a a few years gap or anything. Like after after they defeated Nero, and then you get obviously um, Khan. So I don't know if they if there was a few years within the actual universe itself, or if, as you say, if it was right on the hills of it. Well, there is reference to um, the events of the first one because Marcus goes a bit doolally, and they explore space, don't they? And that's mm. how they find uh, Khan. So that would make sense if it was kind of fresh in memory and kind of oh no, I want a war now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he says the whole film like I want a war now so yeah. Yeah. good on you yeah. mate but not going to happen your brain's going to get squished but no another, yeah, another, cra- another crazy admiral in a long list of Starfleet uh, admirals another bad moral yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh did sorry when you watch that bit when that happens with, with when he's I didn't him, this time you didn't oh yeah when Simon used to watch Into Darkness, and I must admit, I could completely understand why he used to cringe at the, the cracking sound when um, when Admiral Marcus's face gets. What? Is this something you did like every other day? It sounds like you were pretty regular, <laughs> uh, Simon. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those yeah. true, real sound effects that you sit there going, "I don't want, I don't want to." Like, I don't know it's even yeah. fur, but it's just like, no, too much. Too much, too much like, audio information. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't this time around. I've kind of grown up a bit. Like I'm not, I'm not so, not so worried about it these yeah. days. Yeah, like, that I always think... that moment always reminds me when they have Admiral uh, Doherty in Insurrection when they stretch him when they you know stretch him to death <laughs> uh, when he implodes. It's like wow. Okay. Uh, anyway, I you know I just but here's the thing about all this. We we can talk and we should and. It's just like all the fans that went to – like there's tons of fans that saw 09. It was their first movie. It was their first Star Trek. And, you know, bless their hearts. Good on them. They all – and I would hear from them. I'd talk to them at cons over the years after that. I mean I had a the, the shock of what really threw me kind of down the road that I'm on now when everything – nothing was like, – all the things I used to work in, the, the official magazine when it was our, our fan club here in the States and when the old StarTrek.com was going – and all the things that I had a hand in kind of blew up at once, and there was very little going, and the movie was happening, but then Bad Robot and uh, Paramount were kind of bang- banging heads on what the, the greater future would be, and we all know how, where that went. Um, so there was a lot kind of up in the air, and um, it was just – the, the thing that shocked me, though, was the first – Trek Vegas convention when I went in the side room which had always been like oh here's 20 lost people wandered in to see the NASA scientists give a presentation you know it was like always the, and I came in to see a panel and there were 500 people in the room and we finally did a show of hands and almost all of them were brand new fans at their first Vegas convention at their first convention period 
And I was like, wow, it's a new world. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, you know, because they were all, but, and I'm doing this with Discovery now. And if anybody's listening that is in this boat who've come along here in the last couple of years, I was really curious to talk to those people in 09. And I am now with Discovery. The people who, unlike all of us and probably most people listening, you, you, you know, wherever you came into Trek, whether it was the original series or the reruns or Next Gen or whatever, DS9, whatever it is, you came in and if you stayed a fan, you took, you know, your old baggage and you looked at, you know, or your old expectations and experience and knowledge and looked at the new thing coming along, whatever the new thing was, and you judged it, you know, you, you, everything until it especially until it took over. And then after two or three of those happened, then here's the fourth new thing. And you you know, you know, keep, uh, for lack of a better term, assimilating <laughs> your Star Trek and having an opinion about it and what you like and don't like and all that. And um, yeah. the people, though, that come in totally new. Now, maybe they say, well, you know, my dad watched or my cousin watched or my little brother watched, and I would walk <laughs> through the room and I would see it on TV and go, oh, yeah. But, you know, not where they have an opinion and they know anything, but where they really hit sit down and it's like a thunderclap and they're like, oh, my God, I've got to, you know, or whether somebody dragged them in or they go on their own, but they come out of the theater, say, going, oh, my gosh, and it's their first one. Now, maybe they go on, and I heard from people like this, they see Into Darkness or they see uh, Beyond or they they go back and they start watching, you know, they start streaming and binge watching all the older series or they come to discovery new or whatever, but, or they sit down and discovery was their first thing and they start binge watching the old, but I want to talk to the people. I started calling it uh DFFs discovery fans first. It's like they had no star Trek background or baggage, depending on how you see it <laughs> until the new thing. I love to talk to them. I mean, there's very few of them I've been able to find, but I want it cause their take it's like, look, they're not being, you know, they're not being filtered or colored by anything from before. And it's just, just, it's not to negate all of us because we're the ones paying the, you know, paying the subscriptions and buying the toys and books and stuff. But it's just to see what those people think because there's such a debate, you know, and discussion going on. Um, I didn't mean to get off on Discovery, but it was the same thing kind of with the 09 people. And the thing I tried to warn everybody who was like, I mean, my biggest thing was, this is nice, this is fine, I get it that it's helping keep it alive and we're bringing new fans in and we don't want a bomb, but can we just start having, you know, real shows about real people rather than these nice shows about fake people? <laughs> like, no one care. I mean, people care, but they only care in a in a disjointed way. And this is this is the big thing that happened for me, and I want to see what you guys think. It bugged me at first. Like, I, I was very uncomfortable, and I saw the first time I saw 09, I was telling somebody else recently, I saw it with a bunch of people on the lot at a screening, and it was a, a lot of the half the the crowd in this, this small theater, maybe 150 people, and at least half of the people used to be involved with Star Trek in some way, either in the production or in licensing or ancillary things, and we were all going, eh, you know, and it's like <laughs> we got it that it was an alternate universe, but we were still going, okay, like how do we feel about this? What do we think? And no one wanted to poo-poo it, you know, nobody wanted to to bash on it well a couple of people did even at the beginning but they kept their mouth <laughs> shut but we were like I, the first thing i remember thinking toward the end of it before the lights came up was okay what am i going to say in public because i'm not going to lie about it but then i want to be positive it's like when you have a friend that's in a play or you know they do a video or something and they go what do you think and you go well that was interesting you know it's like you're trying to find that word you know the damning with no praise <laughs> Um, and it's not like, what am I going to say? And I remember I looked at a couple of people I knew and said, well, that was a wild ride. 
It's like one of those no comment comments. And and then I very quickly said, well, the cast was excellent. The cast was all well cast, and that's something that we people have said from day one. So between, well, it was a great cast, and well, it was a wild ride. That was, and then within a few months, I could say, well, it's brought tons of new fans in, and that was, but it, that bugged me. It's like, come on, you know. And I knew that. I always say, you know, you never forget your first, and this is going to be a lot of people's first trek, and you can't denigrate somebody's first, even if they go on and evolve their their tastes. And everyone's got to start somewhere. Yeah, everybody starts somewhere, but you you know you always have a golden memory. You can't separate the sentimental. Mm. You know, people that look at the original series now that just come to it, and it's all the oh my god that '60s acting, and oh my god the plywood sets, and you know you want to say well there's that's called Shakespeare and tights, and that's what you know, and that's what made that's what you know there wouldn't be anything else if it wasn't for those guys. Maybe you should grow up a little and take a second look at it when you're a little older and able to you know. I'm sorry, do you not watch black and white movies? It's like where is your? It has to be five years older. I don't care for it. I mean, you know, I mean, what is what is your line? So. Um, it's 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 been a thing of um, of 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 me trying to adjust myself to that because the last thing I want to do is be the old man you know on the lawn you know get off my kid my lawn <laughs> kids I didn't want to be that guy and I remember the people when Next Gen started I remember the original series fans who were like it's not Kirk Spock and McCoy it can't be Star Trek get out of here and I was like shut up. It's Gene. It's we've been waiting twenty years for this. I mean, I was I didn't know I was waiting twenty years. I only waited fifteen years for it because I wasn't there in the beginning or whatever. But it's like, how can you say that? Shut up. Do you want it to fail? What kind of a moron are you? I mean, I remember thinking that about the people that griped about next gen. And it was really only I used to say the loud ten percent. It's really the same as it is just now. It's just that social media makes it louder and feels it feels more and then there's like a fake ten percent. That's get either a robot or they're being paid to come in and just disrupt Western civilization. <laughs> and Star Trek is honored enough to be on that plateau. But, you know, it's really kind of the same. And some of those people I know personally, and it's like, oh, well, I just roll my eyes. They really love it. That's just the way they are. They just they have to gripe about it for the first five years. And then they turn around and they love it after that. Twenty years later, oh, I always loved it. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, but, but that my personal thing was I finally came down to math. And it was like, I don't want to be the hater, but why do I not? Is it really because I'm too old to like something new? And what I really realized finally was it's like math. It's like if you're – when they decided not to do a Kelvin series, you know, TV series or a Kelvin – even a cartoons animated series, when it was just going to be, like I said, two hours and then two hours and then two hours and maybe you know they had three movie deals for the cast and maybe they do a fourth one and then they're tired of doing the roles – and they want to move on and do something. I mean, when that finally kicks in and 10 or 12 years goes by, um, you know, it's like if they're not going to do anything else, the audience is finally going to get it. Get over, the like I said, the, the opening night there and wake up, you know, from the hangover the next day and go, oh, this was really just two hours. And we have to wait four years to get another two hours. When that reality sinks in and people demand to have a small screen, you know, whatever, it'll become about the math. And eventually somebody will go, I'm a human being. I only, you know, I can only be human. And what's going to attract my attention more? The thing with 750 hours invested in it or the thing with six hours invested in it? You know what I'm saying? And I don't mean like hate it. I'm just saying what is there to jump in and be a fan? Like if we used to say this, if we were going to bring back Star Trek The Experience in Las Vegas, okay, and you were thinking, well, 
when they built the night, everybody loved Quarks as a centerpiece and having it be kind of Cardassian station looking because that was the big exciting thing in the mid late 90s. So if you wanted to quote unquote update a Star Trek experience over the last 10 years, what would you use as your central design? You're going to use that bar from Star Trek 09? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what what are you going to use? See, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing has so I, I got into a comfort zone of thinking, you know what? This is like six hours versus 740. We're only human. What's going to warm up our hearts? It's, I don't want to me to be cool, uh, cold about it, but it's like, it's just math. And if they're not going to flesh out the Kelvin universe, I mean, yes, there's comics and there's books, finally. But I'm talking about on screen is where it's at and on screen is what's canon. And it's what brings it alive to people or else why even you know do movies? then if you're not going to flesh out that universe, then that universe is going to atrophy. And you know what, guys? That's kind of what's happening, right? Nobody's yeah, excited. You know, the money, the bean counters and all that, are, people are excited about a Tarantino movie, but whatever that turns into being. But that's So anyway, I'll get off my high horse. But <laughs> when I was finally able to make it about math and not that I was a, a whiny old man, and then I look around and I can see everybody else, that's what drives most people, unless... That was their people. Somebody's very first trek, and it was a desert. And maybe they didn't get over the hump of you know going back and Netflixing or DVDing, you know, next gen or original or DS9. If they didn't do that, or that seemed to be a big thing, or it took them a while to get there, all they knew were these Kelvin movies, and that's fine. And if they became an excited fan, that's wonderful. There's that shows that there was something in them. But I, I, you know, so it's like I don't feel guilty now. It's like it was just a matter of. It was just a matter of math. I mean, what do you guys think? It's it was just a way to whet people's appetites. I think it's like you were saying it at the time, and he, when we were at Destination Star Trek, the first one, I think Richard Arnold was also saying that. Oh, oh no, no, Rory Davies, I think it is. He was sort of saying, "Oh, don't." They're just trying to find out if there's much interest here. Just work out what to do next, and I think that led on to the Kelvin Timeline films, and I think that's what has indirectly led to I say discovery and things like that isn't it it's, it's what you're saying just kind of it's alright doing what they did and I think that boat's now sailed it's not going to go anywhere unfortunately because of um, Anton Yelchin passing away and I think just kind of that it had it's moment I don't think it's, we're going to go back to it it's got, it was left at quite a nice bookend yeah well I, th I think we didn't have a fourth movie because the Chinese partnership didn't happen with Paramount and they just need the money and they weren't able to do what they promised Chris Pine and, and Helmsworth and I don't I do not blame them at all because if Paramount went back and say gee guys um, my rich uncle died and we don't have the money to pay you as much as we were going to because will you take less and it's all kind of in a whether it's very public or not, it's still in the. It's a small town, and agents and managers and you know bean counters talk. Whispers and if and if the word got out that Chris Pine and Chris Helmsworth backed down on what they were promised to help out, <laughs> oh, this little independent startup studio called Paramount. You know, it's not their uncle's movie that they're taking a cut for or something. It's like this big deal. If word got out that they did that, then you know they. How are they ever going to supposed? How are they ever going to negotiate for a film again and people take them seriously or you know undercut them? So I totally get that they couldn't like oh for the good of Star Trek I'll take less. It's like that's not the way, and especially since these aren't, you know, it's not like the thing's going to live or die. But the other thing that's happened now is that we do have small screen. The Discovery and Picard and Lower Deck. I mean, 
there is I mean just imagine here's the other thing just imagine we'd gone through this what passes for melodrama over the fourth movie not even the Tarantino because it's still alive only by the grace of Tarantino's name and people are intrigued <laughs> but just imagine what would have happened with four had there been no small screen CBS Star Trek going on right now you know what killed it Larry because my point was that that would be the big soap opera and the outside world and all the mundane world, whether it was fans or audience or Hollywood people and suits and, and money people, they'd all be viewing Star Trek through this whole filter of the saga of Star Trek Four, rather than it's kind of like a sideshow. It's a little sad. It's almost like a lot of people don't – it's not like they don't care. It's just like it's not the driving thing, right, the big expanding – yeah, I mean Kurtzman Empire, that, and that's what I'm very thankful for. It's like, oh, thank God this didn't happen with no TV on, because Star Trek as a whole would be being viewed through this melodrama over a fourth movie being financed or not. Thank God the world can get back to what Star Trek is supposed to be and affecting people, and that can just be a sideshow. Yeah, I mean, I think my my thoughts have said what you guys have both been saying. I agree, as you said, the Kelvin timeline films are kind of they've had their time. They, I think, they kind of did what they were supposed to do. And, you know, as, yeah. as you said, side the, the third one, I think, would end it quite nicely. And, you know... Um, to say the other killer was the MCU. That's yeah. what the other killer has been. And, because mm. it, that's the whole issue now with the pay and what you're talking about, Larry, isn't it? That they're asking for more money because they're getting it from Marvel rather than from Paramount. And now they're big stars than they were. And you look, you look at those three films, and you go, "Oh God, you're big now. Oh, you're big now. Oh, you're big now." And what they all begin the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe for various different uh, reasons, and they're big names in that universe. So you've got uh, Cumberbatch, so Doctor Strange. You've got Thor in there, and I think there's a couple of others that I saw, and you just go, "Oh my God!" Well, there you go. There's a reason why Thor's not happening ever. Because as you say, the, the, those so in a way, the Kelvin Tomlin films were kind of vehicles to some of the what we call what the A-list celebrities that we've got now, the ones that have become big and have gone on to what it said MCU and things like that. So you know, and I think what was it overall? Yeah, but I God, go ahead, go. Sorry, I was just going to say with 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 the movies, I think it was what a eight year gap? No, two thousand nine, no seven years, whatever it was. So that's like three movies over seven years. It's like, as you say, actors grow up and they want to do other things. Yeah, and at least the the MCU is whether it's a solo movie, a standalone movie, or it's a group movie, like an Avengers, or it's somebody's you know like solo shot. You're at least cranking out that universe, right? And then and then they've got um, Agents of Shield on TV, and they you know a couple other venues are out there too, and kind of at least keeping you in that universe. It's fleshing it out, and. Uh, the thing that, but here's the ultimate thing too. They started down this path because they didn't have enough. They either didn't have enough confidence, or they were afraid. There's this perception that the cat, the and I even heard, you know, Ron Moore and Ira Bear and some of them because I wanted to slap them when I they'd say it to my face in an interview. They were like, I, you know, look, what about a new TV series? And they're like, I don't know. Their whole perception is that the canon has been so filled in that it's almost impossible to feel like as a writer or producer you've got the creative freedom to weave a story without violating canon somewhere which is crazy i keep saying you know what a what a self-deprecating thing to say about your own talent the the book authors you know the the pocketbooks uh, fiction star trek novel guys and gals do it all the time they connect things up and and do that and i know that there are other 
filmmakers and writers out there that could that could do it. But this perception was that Canon had become this anchor around everybody's neck, and you couldn't tell a, you know, or the fear of oh my God, we'll make every trek, you know, little trekkie boy and girl, you know, scream bloody murder at us now that we've got Twitter. If we don't do it exactly the way they want, or we, you know, screw up on something, which is crazy. I mean, that can happen, but it doesn't have to be. It's not an imp- it's not an impossible mission <laughs> to um, to go to the Desilu well again. There, Paramount. Um, it's not it's not impossible to do that. But there was this perception of that. So, yay or nay, if they were so terrified about doing this idea to do, I think it was Bob Orsi that said, "Let's do an alternate universe." So we don't have those kind of restrictions, but we can still play in the Star Trek universe, which on one hand then was was great. You know, like now they haven't broke anything. And then, we, then which we come now to discovery and people are arguing, oh, it is prime and we don't like this, 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 and this. <laughs> and you can debate all that, but that's what you were in for with this. Now, so you were free of that unless people just didn't want to go to an alternate universe in the first place or they were confused. You know, that took a while. But still, part of me is like, I mean, my biggest thing was like, well, this is nice. This is all very nice. But to me, it was like, we're just like, um, as far as story, storytelling and fleshing out the Star Trek universe, the prime canon, the prime timeline. I'm like, this is nice, but this isn't getting us any further down the road with on screen, you know, stuff we can point to. This is, it's so wonderful. I mean, I was watching 09 and I still remember thinking when, when McCoy says, um, he mentions the divorce. The first moment that he says, yeah, my wife got everything in the divorce and she picked my bones clean. And I was like, yes, the divorce is finally mentioned on film, even though it's the alternate universe. It's still finally mentioned on film. And the very next breath, he says, she picked my bones clean. And, and then Kirk starts calling him bones. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Like, like, you really have to take such a, like a, a history moment and then like reverse it and slap it on the, you know, as it's going down. Like, no. But at the end of the day, guys, every time Star Trek has done an alternate universe, like the Mirror Universe, say, it's been as a contrast to the established world that we knew. The whole point was to, oh, look how things are different. And then they would come back to it, right? So so are you... So my point is, the Kelvin universe, it's like, the, think- what's the appeal of the Kelvin Hi, guys, come see these Kelvin movies. They're exactly <laughs> the same as the Star Trek you know, until they're not. So... Are you saying, Larry, that you think that they maybe played it too safe then? Is that what you're kind of saying? Well, like, I'm just going to say, if it's the whole point of an alternate universe in Star Trek, the point of it is to make a comment about your baseline, which is the prime universe, right? That's what the mirror universe does. That's what the Yesterday's Enterprise alternate universe did. That's all the 15 universes that Spock went through in parallels, you know, the quantum theory there on display. Whatever, all the alternate things that Voyager did because they didn't have the, <laughs> they didn't want to do a mirror universe in the Delta, <laughs> which half of them could have been probably. But you know, it's like anytime you do an alternate universe, you know, it's alternate universe is a fancy name for somebody's dream show. You know, it's oh, it's it's a wonderful life. You know, it's somebody's whatever dream. It's their holodeck thing gone wrong. You know, on Voyager. But whatever it is, the point is to compare to your. Well, really, right? It's like the point of an alternate universe is to compare back. Compare and contrast, now discuss, with your baseline universe. It gives the actors and the writers a, a vacation week. They all get to go, woohoo, you know, and do something crazy different for once. And then they all come back home again and get on with life. But to think you're just going to do an alternate universe 
um, like ongoingly, it's like then what's after a while? It's like what's the point if ninety five percent of it is exactly what you knew already? It comes. It almost to me, it comes down to the writers were too nervous or lazy just to do a prime story because you could have done a ton of you could have gone to the twenty two fifties and done a ton of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy origin early years stories. Academy, isn't it? That's what's been on the boards for years, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but there's tons, or if not right then, if people get off of this, I know at the time they thought we have to go back, the audience is tired, and Star Trek is tired, and we have to go back to the roots, which was, the, the producers were tired. The world was just watching, the fan films were just starting to explode then, and there was no let up on, people were hungry, hungry, hungry for Star Trek, but that was the, again, that's what the suits and the bean counters were looking at Enterprise and going, oh look, Star Trek's audience is tired it's looking old and tired and we need to rest it for a while and what's the safest if we do come back what's the sa- it's like no me i've wanted we we're so overdue for the romulan war story you know definitive romulan war story and founding of the federation we never got that mm-hmm. but i'd like to see something in between i'd like to see an in between kirk and and archer i'd like to which is what they thought Discovery is going to be, but no, it's 10 years before Kirk. But I'd like to see a really just, you know, midway. I'd like to see a midway Kirk and Picard, like a like an Enterprise BC era, not maybe on the Enterprise B or C, but I'd just like to sure see that era. Today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like those time periods. And and the other thing that's ha- streaming is the best, is the coolest thing, because in the 90s, I remembered saying, I wish we could do a founding of the Federation show, but they'll never do it because they'd have to do the sets and costumes and props, and they're not going to invest that money unless they're going to get a whole series out of it. But you know what? Between CG green screen backgrounds and 3D printing and the whole, number one, the whole short season model, you can totally do You can totally do an all-Klingon series or an all-Romulan series or an all... You know, you can totally go off on a different era or place or situation... And do eight or ten episodes there, and it's and it, there's a model to fit it, and that's what's exciting to me right now. All the stuff I wished for 20 years ago in the 90s or something that I knew would never happen. Um, these people that you know, like, oh prequel, Star Trek's supposed to go forward, not backward. It's like you know, guys, 2151 is still in the future. <laughs> but anyway, I know I'm on a rampage here, but but um, that's what. Anyway, the whole thing about the Kelvins. Not to not you know the actors the you know some of the writing the I mean there was so much so many good people put a lot of time and energy they attracted fans they brought us fans they made they did, they did make they money to do. but at the end of the day what's the point I mean there's there's these all the but as far as what's the, what's you fans and money and all that stuff and attention and keeping it alive in the desert the desert from what like like it's keeping it alive until we come back to finish your sentence. Until we come back to a TV show, come back to something in Prime that connects into the world. You know, it's like, otherwise, this is like treading water, and it's very pretty water treading, and we're having fun mostly watching it tread water, but it's treading water at the end. What's the point of the Kelvin universe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think our silence says it all. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sorry, I did, but it's like, and I, I mean, I'm not, I would never, I never knock them, and I know that Into Darkness is the weakest of the three. I mean, you know, you can get it and talk about about movies and a Star Trek and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, 
at the end of the day, <laughs> and I think it's like I don't have to say anything because we're seeing it play out. People aren't like screaming, crying, wringing their hands about no fourth movie. I say people, either the fans or the movie makers. I've got to say, even I, I've not. I've, I'm, I'm not sure. I can't speak for Simon, but I know I definitely haven't gone. Oh, there's no fourth movie. No, I've just kind of gone. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Okay, as you say, the, the films have had their time. They've they've done what they set out to do, bringing new fans into the franchise, reviving Star Trek again. It, it's it's done its thing. Done its job. It's yeah. done its job. It's opened up the entire like because beforehand we were so set on, and I was one of them. I was a gatekeeping Star Trek fan when it came out first few episodes I would sit there and complain that this isn't my trek and thank god I've grown since then but it's <laughs> it's but it's meant that we're a little bit more open-minded than we were before because it has allowed us to kind of wreck on stuff and go okay fine it's not how we quite like it but we get new start you know, new trek from it and I guess so it's, it's inevitable but that's what happened with next gen with in the early and and hey, next generation was pretty wobbly the first year or two, especially yeah. the first year. Yeah. So you had to be really hungry to finally see something on. But I think the overriding thing there was positivism. There were a lot of people that were. And here's the thing: the bot, unless you're being paid to just be divisive, which that's what a troll is, or a bot, and it's robotic and it's obvious. But all of this, no matter what people's opinions are on the Kelvin verse, on on Discovery, whatever it is, on Next Generation, on Enterprise, on Voyager, you know, whatever it is, if people, it's all about what is a fan? It's a fan who is somebody who's interested in something and they're passionate about, they're fanatic so much that they're spending their time yeah. on this. And they're spending their time on this and not their sports yeah. team. Not or other billion things they could be doing yes. at that particular moment. Weaving baskets, collecting stamps, uh, you know, <laughs> running marathons, whatever it is, they're doing this, not something else. So what I try to remember is, you know, and there's nothing to excuse being uncivil, but what where a lot of this comes from, again, unless they're being paid to do it and they could care less, and you can see that now. Hopefully we're getting savvier about that. But it's coming out of love, and what's one of the one of the emotions involved in love is is anger when you feel like you're done wrong because that comes out of fear. And if the thing you love you think is being threatened, yeah, you might wind up being angry about it, but the even the more base primal instinct is fear. And so all the that's why I always try to remember as long as I know it's a sincere fan and of course they may have been dropped on their head when they were 3 and they're just this way about everything in life, which is the other thing to know. But it's like the the negativity that we see, as long as it's sincere negativity, it's criticism maybe taken too far by people who aren't professional critics and they don't know how to couch their words or whatever. But I always try to remember it's people who come from a place of love, and this is the fear talking that someone's going to mess up the thing they love. And they forget that they maybe thought that way 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago at the last big you know transition you know jump ahead. So you know, and but I, and at the same time, I I always because I have my criticisms, but I also try to temper that with knowing. Well, here's the process, and I you know there was a time when this could have been helped, but hey, that that ship has sailed, you know, and we're either going to have to retcon it down the line, or some major goofy thing is going to happen, or it's just going to always be, it's just always going to be the Star Trek Five of <laughs> this bunch, or you know, or something. But there's a time when you got to let it go and either work on a fix or. Um, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. But I try to remember the root thing of this is this is all people that really love Star Trek, and maybe they're just expressing their love from fear, and then fear begets anger, and then anger hopefully doesn't beget <laughs> losing their social standing with their 30 closest friends. And then social media has just thrown us all for a loop by how that suddenly all got multiplied and amplified without us really thinking about it. And thinking that the guy that we don't know from around the world is the same as our buddy that we've talked about Trek with for 20 years. And, you know, and that's different. And maybe you've gotten to know somebody online and you wind up meeting them, and that's wonderful. That's what it's supposed to be. But it's not all the same, and that could be what's going on here. But anyway, that's, that's, I wanted to throw that out there, too. So I, I always try to remember that if I can tell that it's a real person and they're being extremely negative and uncivil or whatever, I, you know, besides being, whoa, whoa, whoa there, big boy. Let's, you know, hold on. No one's gonna take it away from. I'm all. I'm really worried about, like the hashtag Picard meltdown when they announced it at Vegas last year. I've been really worried about a backlash because I knew it wasn't gonna be a shiny happy captain with a shiny happy crew and a shiny happy bridge running around having shiny happy adventures. I knew with with star dates and captain's logs. I knew it wasn't gonna be that again because he would Patrick wouldn't want to. It's like I've done that. Why would I want to do it again yeah. more? And he's 80, and yes, they live longer in the 24th century, but I mean, you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be, and it's 2019, but I knew in his way he would be uh, sincere to the character. You know, basically everything that's come out about the show is exactly what I thought, but I'm waiting for that to filter down to people that aren't paying attention, low information fans, like low information voters. I'm waiting for the, the world who's all excited about this show when it's not bright happy captain crew ship missions they're gonna go what the heck was this you know all that <laughs> to stay in where they could have been like paying attention for the last two years but they're not paying attention daily kind of fans but they're out there i'm i'm hoping we don't have a f big flashback i try to prepare people every day every week you know uh, about that so i'm a little i'm worried for, for when that comes down hopefully this will all land and and the way they've done it and introduced that clip of you know, I'm sorry, sir, who are you again? Or whatever. <laughs> I'm hoping they're easing that concept across the people that haven't been paying attention. So, anyway. But if that's happening here, that's going to happen. That's happened with everything since day one. So, you know. Cycle repeats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just try to remember that if they, yes, they're lashing out about this maybe, and maybe it's inappropriate, but it comes from a place. I know that may sound like I'm explaining away everything and, and defending anything, and I'm not. I'm just trying to say there is a root impulse and they could have been you know like i said a fan of millions of other things but they they call themselves a star trek fan and this is just their innate response isn't it that's yeah, the first yeah. response you get i say that's what i had to the coven timeline originally and then over time it's kind of actually this is just a bit ludicrous let's think about this a bit more fairly a bit more logically i don't mind this as much now that, that's that's all forgotten and it's just we're all human yeah just, yeah we're, we're yeah and none of this is to say that it's not okay to have opinions and critiques and all that. For you know, as long as we're all civil, I mean, that's what fan boys and girls have done since caveman days. Yeah, is is debate stuff, you know, um, <laughs> tirelessly and endlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that that used to be like, oh, what would win, the Enterprise or the Millennium Falcon, or who would win, Kirk or Picard? I mean. Those were the simple baby days, and we're so far beyond, you know, I say we're beyond that. I always thought those were ridiculous, but um, <laughs> but that's where, that was the instinct of so many people. So some of this is, you know, inevitable, but uh, yada, yada. But, you know, say new Trek isn't bad Trek, is it? It's just kind of glad that we get new Trek, and I say, just the Kelvin timeline, 
led to that. So something to be thankful for at oh, least. Yeah. And you know, and, and also I know you haven't mentioned it, but also due to, to Kelvin Timons, you also had have Star Trek Online as well. So, you know, that's because that's didn't you say was it a year later side, two thousand and ten? It did not not directly, Jamie. I wouldn't say that. No. But yeah. No. But indirectly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, it, it, added, it added some flavor to it, but no, I mean, the—that's why I was so amazed that when when uh, massive multiplayer gaming came out, it's like of all you know, Star Wars is a massive universe, but it's all on trading cards and in books. Star Trek is is the only thing out there aside from Doctor Who, which keeps reinventing itself, so you, no one cares. But <laughs> unless you go to a specific era, you know, and the TARDIS looks like this inside, but um, and here's you know, but I mean, Star Trek is the only franchise out there that has all these like dozens of planets and cultures and eras and you can look at a uniform and know what time it is over 300 years i mean nobody else is like no one is close to that and i was always like why is there not a and so finally sto comes along and and it's doing all that and it has been doing all that and now they're you know integrating discovery and in, they were integrating the kelvin universe as, as they can but i'm i'm just so glad to see that take off because you know the first 20 years of video games and all it was, it was like, well, this is pretty, but don't. <laughs> this means nothing. Five years from now, this will mean nothing. And STO is, they were so good about following canon and keeping their own canon continuity consistent, that and paying huge attention and using the bits that are out there floating around to use them in a cu- in a cool new way that um, you know and mix and match things. Oh, let's do uh, the Iconian gateways and the Borg or so, you know whatever it is. Um, <laughs> To use that and showing how you pick, that's, you know. But the fact they've got Kirsten Beyer as a novelist, that may be one of Brian's best legacies, was bringing her into the fold to not only elevate the books and comics and get them as canon-adjacent close as they could, but to have her mindset in there because she's so good at taking these pieces of Mm. all the aired uh, canon aspects and going, which is what I was saying a while ago. There's some, and Michael Shaban, who's won a Pulitzer for his future, you know, he's... He wrote uh, the short treks, uh, and then he's in the writer's room for Picard. And he's his interview that I saw talking about. I don't see canon as an anchor around my neck. There are there's dozens of holes in the universe and timeline that have not been explored yet. I want to go to all those places and play with them. You know, he sees the glass half full, not the glass half empty. Actually, more like the glass three fourths empty <laughs> and fourth full. So there's plenty of places to go and tell stories in Star Trek. They, even just from what we know about right now, much less building new bridges that would have you know adjacent area to get into. So that's what's kind of exciting and seeing the bits and pieces. Having Kirsten and him in that room with everybody else, you kind of. I'm very. That's why I'm excited. Excited for the Picard series too. Yeah, I just hope. Yeah. Because because what you're saying, particularly about Kirsten Bauer, I said I um I love the Voyager book she has written after the series ended and as you were saying you're taking elements she's taking elements from the series like um, certain episodes where they've encountered someone and she's put a really good twist on it and she's brought things back and it's she's you know and she's done and she does such a good job like because she uses stuff from like obviously like the tv shows and the other books that have been written i know i know there's this whole thing about all oh, the books aren't canon etc etc but even within their own even within the books themselves there's kind of it's there's a continuity there but she's done such a good job with it because you know writers like that they understand how important it is and as you say yes there's a lot of stuff that's 
been explored in the Star Trek universe, but there's still so much, as you say, there's still holes that can be poked into and things that, that maybe have been mentioned before, but have never been really explored. And as you say, there's so much more that can still be done. You know, and I, I have complete confidence in Discovery. They've done a great job of Discovery in terms of like, because as you say, 10 years before Kirk, oh God, you know, fitting that in and, you know, and everyone thinking, oh, how can you, how can you fit this in? after everything else and make it a prequel it wouldn't make any sense but they've already done that at the end of season two they've already beautifully tied that up already with well you know they will chuck them into the future um and we won't with we're not allowed to say anything about discovery well there you go then so any events from discovery that will never be mentioned in the future time well that's how you get around it so it's like it's not as though they've just come up with this on the fly they, they've thought about it you know, before they've actually, you know, started doing it. So they've thought about all these things, and they've done a really good job of it. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't know about totally cleanly tied up, but... <laughs> well, no, not everything, but... But, but uh, yeah, but, uh, but you can see... Well, And what I keep saying about the first season Discovery, and I know we're kind of drifting from the Kelvin timeline topic, but first season Discovery happen. was just lucky to land. I mean, it was if it, that had been any other show or property or business entity... It, that would have somebody would have pulled the plug after six months of the crazy, or nine months of the craziness, of the delays and changing in people and you know the original idea person leaving, but it was Star Trek and they had to launch all access and they knew it would they were way too much in the spotlight and there was a lot of pressure so it that plane landed finally that that ta- I used to say that taxi had three drivers <laughs> and it never stopped when they changed the drivers <laughs> somehow they did it and kept going. But it got where it was going and came back for more. So, you know, that's we talk about the first, you know, oh, all Star Trek start off kind of slow and well, well this one, <laughs> <laughs> this one really went through, you know, baptism of fire or whatever. So, and the second season would be more reflective. And I, and the third season is going to be, well, now, it's, now I'm kind of like going, so what have you got here now? So we'll see what they do. I, you know, I'm one that thinks. Where you're assuming a lot, just, like just because they got there doesn't mean they stay there, or doesn't mean, you know, there's some going to be some twist maybe. And just because they saw the uh, Enterprise saw the red light, do they know who sent it? Do they <laughs> they know how far away it was? Do they know it, was it good for like five seconds and then the rubber band kicks in again on the you know uh, what's happening? So we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, but the main thing is people's brains are kind of opened up now. There's two anime, you know, young kids animation and an adult animation coming and whatever section 31's out there and people screaming to have a pike series whether anything happens with that and the original ideas that were also out there so you know we really we may look back on all this as like ah we thought the 90s were the golden years no this is (laughs) star trek Trek entered another golden era remember when there were only two star treks on at the same time yeah that's what'll and and but people worried about the burnout. These are going to be short seasoned, and they're going to like be end to end. They won't overlap. There won't be five shows on at once that you have to pick from in your you know viewing time that you've got available. It'll it'll be short seasoned, stretched out, and giving you a lot of different. And I and I think a lot of different flavors of what's possible in Star Trek, which is what we've always said, right? Oh, you're going to have trouble with triples one week, and you have City on the Edge of Forever the next week. You know, kind of a thing. So, Larry. Kind of bring it back yes. to what we're saying. Do you think that there's a chance <laughs> oh, no, <not> that, that. <laughs> that um, we might end up with Discovery film, possibly? Well, yeah. I mean, never say never. And you know what? CBS and 
and Paramount are back into their uh, you know merger, remerger, reconciliation for the divorce, whatever you want to call it, talks. So maybe you know CBS may want to. They all play. They have these splits, and then Paramount runs over and starts a TV wing up, and CBS runs over and starts up a movie wing up. It's like they don't stick with their original thing. They want to have a thing on the side too, so it doesn't have to rely on that. But uh, but yeah, I mean you know who knows. But I, it's not with it's not outside the realm, and he, whether these talks go or not, it's not outside the realm. But especially if they go, they'll be looking to bring Trek onto the big screen. And if it's not, if if the here, I was really hoping the Tarantino movie would not be Kirk Spock McCoy, um, Kelvin timeline. I was hoping he would do he would take his crazy idea that everyone's going for here. It's not about the idea; it's about him and what he's going to do. And and coming from it as a secret fan that no one realized until that interview a couple of years ago, and and if he does something that busts open the mold, the paradigm about what mundane world thinks a Star Trek movie, quote unquote, is much less because Star Trek movies have always just been the icing on the cake of a cast that did well, right? The original yeah. series, bang! It's like here's how we keep they're getting older, and how do we keep doing Star Trek? We do this, and then we had to get to the point where they went, what if we did this to to deal with our reality of our original cast is getting older and they can't crank out 16 hour days, six days a week if they have to, you know, 26 times a year. What are we going to do instead? How about this? I mean, necessity is another invention. And then in the process of doing that, we bust it open to where, oh, there's a whole timeline and there's multiple centuries and multiple, you know, whatevers. And now you've, now you're off and running that way. And now we've got the business model where we can do short, we can do mini series, we can do short seasons, we can do multiple seasons, excuse me, series. <laughs> you know, I'm saying when I say series, I mean a show. And when I'm saying seasons, I mean a series. I'm putting my my Brit filter on there. My, <laughs> my, my cross the pond translator. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? So um, this ta- talking about what would movies look like now, I was hoping Tarantino's movie would just bust open a thing. I was hoping he would pick some time, come up with an original cast, like he would do Halfway Between Archer and Kirk. And come up with a cast that did something that winds up being historic and ties into Prime somehow. But it's about those people. You know, it's a if you make it, they will come. And it's Tarantino making it. And oh my God. And and then, you know, he doesn't do another movie, but somebody else. And whether, you know, the derivative thing of Hollywood would be, oh, okay, so now this is a huge hit. Let's do more movies with these people. It's like, no, look at it like an anthology series, only do it like anthology movies. What if Star Trek movies spent a big budget and everyone that came along had a different cast in a different situation in a different time period of the Star Trek universe. Oh my god! Think what that would mean to people. Are you just just like stunned? What if Star Trek movies didn't have to be how many can we get out of this cast playing Kirk Spock McCoy? You know, or is it going to be the next gen cast? Or is it going to be the Discovery What if it was just telling stories in the Star Trek universe? What the, what's the how the ultimate the ultimate strength of the universe as a whole from Gene and onward that the way it's evolved? Don't you think? That's what I'm. So I was hoping that Tarantino might be that thing that blows it open for people, and he's the kind of person that would have to be able to do that. They're not going to let anybody else take a risk. Would be a and, bold thing to do. Certainly would be a bold. Right, right, right. He's the only kind of person. Yeah, but that's not going to happen now. They said it's a Kirk Spock McCoy, and that's fine. <laughs> but. But I was really hoping it would bust open people's the whole paradigm of what a Star Trek movie is could be. Let's just tell two-hour movie budget level stories 
in the Star Trek universe. Now, that might drive some people crazy if they go to see, you know, like, I just saw these people, and it's a one-off, and I'll never see them again. I mean, that urge to on the audience to see them again and the urge of the studio to be totally willing to let them see it again as long as they pay their ticket money and you know make a billion <laughs> both ends of the equation that might be too hard for them to resist but i sure wish somebody would just do three or four or five different star trek movies showing the potential almost like it was a pilot <laughs> only in real life a pilot for a movie series like an anthology movie big screen series that could show you the potential, how you could stretch the envelope of storytelling in Star Trek. Kind of like what the Short Treks is doing on the other extreme. Even though all four of them tied into Discovery, it would be cool if they would use the Short Treks format to do that. Okay, I know we've, we've like going far afield here, guys, but I, it's trying to, I was trying to blow your minds a little there. <laughs> it's so- the sky's the limit, though, isn't it? That's, that's the thing. The sky's the limit at the moment of kind of where you can go. So you've got Prime, you've got Kelvin Timeline... Still there, I know it's not nothing's happening with it. Discovery, and then all the other shows that are, are, are going on. Who knows? Right, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag mind blown. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, is there anything more we wanted to say about the Kelvin timeline or the 10 year anniversary or anything else? Or <sighs> I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it happened. I, yeah, I, like I said, so. my biggest knock on this Kelvin, the first one, is that just like I wish I don't know if we your your point about would Discovery have happened without the O nine? My point would be would Discovery have happened sooner and would all access and that whole the business drive that gave us Star Trek again, would that have happened sooner had there been no movies? And I don't think that's I mean my head, I was going, Oh, this is just you know, there for a long time, the whole thing was CB, um, Paramount is paying that fee to CBS not to do a show, right? To to at the beginning to let all the focus fall on these movies, and that was the big driving. You know, the first three, four, five years, people were all talking about you know the license fee that they're paying CBS not to do a show, but for a lot of us, we were saying, well, you know, Moonves is. It's not that he's anti-science fiction. It's that that ran CBS less Moon, who's gone now. He was me tooed out of his job. Apparently, is a good thing. But for a long time, when he was calling the shots, it was like, well, no, he's not anti-sci-fi. He's just anti-things that don't make money. And the perception was that Star Trek was old and tired and, you know, never mind that Enterprise was the most binge-watched, watched later show on the last couple of years it was on. No one was looking – just like the original series, the demographic was perfect, but people – they weren't looking at demos. They were looking at raw numbers. Well, it was kind of like Enterprise was the same way. It had lots of markers that showed it was popular is in an evolving media world but they were they were the old markers and in a couple of years it was like oh look enterprise was the number one tivoed they used to say the number one tivoed show in the country you know oh but um um i don't know i've i've gone blank here on what i was trying to say but <laughs> i think to sum up the covid time it happened it set, it, it was great it said what it, um, what it was going to do and yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we could get into all the details and points of story and all that, and some things kind of blew your mind, but then at the end of the day, uh, does it matter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a a debate for another time. Well, I mean, it stretches your your awareness of what – and it it is – it can still be a mirror back on – I don't mean mirror universe. I mean it can still be a reflection of what did and didn't happen in the prime. You know, but again, the whole purpose for it existing is to be 
a, a tether, a reflection back onto Prime. So why don't we just go tell some Prime stories now? Somehow, <laughs> somewhere, you know. Anyway. Um. So I think that's I think. <laughs> Did we beat that? Did we beat that dead horse. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I got you guys thinking about something. I always like to come on and try to try to expand some some brain cranial capacity there, or blow them up, or something. I hope. I hope you have you and your audience both. <laughs> so you you saying so? Trying to just kind of Larry, why didn't you tell them all about all your five million different projects going on? Oh, I will do that if there anybody still awake. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll just say that if people, you know, LarryNimichak dot com is still my hub. If you enjoyed, maybe. Maybe for a lot of people listening, if maybe this is the first time you've heard me talk or maybe thought about some of the things I tried to raise or maybe it's not – I always say I try to do what's not the same old, same old that everybody on – especially now, online, on YouTube, you know, the blogs, the podcasts. I always try to have a little bit different take or step back and look at a bigger picture, and that's – whether it's my Trek Files podcast with Roddenberry, where we have something from Gene's archives and I have a professional Trek guest on with me every week. Um, that's a little short podcast on Tuesdays that you can get on, on Facebook at The Trek Files. Or you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com and look at all the Roddenberry podcasts there. Uh, but like we've had Dorothy Fontana and um, Renee Echevarria and um, uh, Andy Probert and you know Rick Sternbach and lots of people have been on. And it's, it's great. I love that. Or my... Tuesday live show that I do every week on Facebook that you can come on that I'm trying to get on. We're hoping to expand it to YouTube also, but it's live at 1 o'clock Pacific, which means it's 9 p.m. for you guys, and then it's posted after that. But I always have a topic every week, and then we have live Q&A with the viewers. But that's Trekland Tuesdays live, but just, you know, my Portal 47 is me bringing these voices, all the Star Trek that people aren't hearing and filtering and and all that from the people that worked on the shows that they don't see in conventions or see in magazine interviews or podcast interviews. But all of this is like just trying to get all the Trek that people have no idea how much Star Trek they have no idea about <laughs> out there, whether it was history or maybe just looking at our current you know, situation going by and keeping up with Discovery and Picard and whatever else is coming down the line. So, yeah. But you know, on Twitter, you might get anything from me, but that's the risk you take, right? At Larry Nimichek is my Twitter, and Facebook is Larry Nimichek's Trekland. And and yes, we are. For people that ask, we are working on the edit for the Con of Wrath, my documentary. It feels like it's been out there for ages, and it's just been the last year that we've wrapped it up and and been working on the edit. So you can go to conorath.com or on Facebook and see that too. But Portal 47 and the Trekland Treks, which are my day tours. If anybody in the UK is coming to LA for a vacation, please get a hold of me and we will set you up with a customized film site tour for Star Trek. And that's treklandtreks.com. People can see that. So um, that and Portal 47 are where I'm putting a lot of my emphasis in trying to get um, <laughs> portal47.net, which is your minicon all year long, no matter where you are. And we've got a good group from around the world. I've got a lot of Brits in. And when I'm at a convention where we've got members, we have a live dive meetup and drinks are on me. So that's one Yahoo. But we have a guest every month and the roundtable talk. And I do one for you all's uh, prime time in the afternoon I started having. So um, And it's pretty reasonable. So that's every month. So, yeah, I invite everybody to come over. And if, if you've enjoyed our discussion today, come find me at LarryNimichak.com and um, – and you never know, I'm probably running a special. And right now we're all thinking about 
Comic-Con San Diego and Star Trek Vegas and uh, probably won't get over to, for Destination this year. May probably rest me a year and we'll see about next year. But um, between that and my column in the Titan Star Trek magazine, it's I've always always felt very close to British fandom. So, in fact, I don't even think about it as British fandom. I just think about it as Trek fandom. <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of Brits in Portal and in a lot of my and that come on for Tuesdays Live. So, um, it's 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 another example of how the world's just gotten smaller, right, guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, certainly got lots going on. So you know, not not slowing down anytime soon. Well, that could happen, but yes, too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way you like it, Larry, though, isn't apparently it? Apparently not. Well, apparently that's what's going to happen, whether I like it or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the world we live in. But you know what? Thank goodness that we're out of the fallow times and we've got all this trek to talk about now. And what I keep telling people is, yes, there's lots of new happening, and of course we want to keep it, and we want to get it preserved right, but everything that's happened up till now is a is a shines a light on what's happening now and for people that have only come to star trek recently there's nothing like you know deep diving further back and it gives you all kinds of whether it's about a you know a, fa- a canon factoid or it's just the way something is done or the way that hollywood thinks or the way that star trek hollywood thinks you know so i that's that's just what i i enjoy doing for folks and i will i look around the world and i look around the star trek online world and i see that um, you can't exactly get that everywhere, so that's kind of been my thing. I love to, you know, that's how I like to serve to serve fandom, with with a nod to the old Twilight Zone episode, uh, not literally though, but um, that's what I like. That's what I enjoy doing as a fan myself. I, what I do with everybody is is what I enjoy, always enjoy doing. And I know I'm not I'm no I'm not everybody, <laughs> but Trekland is not for everybody, and Portal Forty Seven is not for everybody. But I think there's a ton of fans out there that that either see things the way I do or, or they'd like to at least you know things so and look at you guys you were crazy enough to call me up to talk about Kelvin Universe today so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway thanks for doing that though it was our pleasure Larry and so we have to do it a lot sooner next time oh yeah definitely <laughs> good deal yeah, it's way way too long so, but so we'll put as many links in as we can and we'll be back for another episode soon yeah uh, uh, bye guys bye thanks Trek well.